And the title of the message tonight is, Why Did You Doubt Part 3? Why Did You Doubt Part 3? And um, the last time we were together on a Wednesday night, it was December the 9th. Man. Um, so uh, here we are, praise God, uh, last Wednesday in the year. And um, <clears throat> I want to, I'll do a little bit of review since it's been a few weeks since we've uh, been on this subject. But we said that as important as it is for us to learn and study the subject of faith, that it would also um, behoove us, amen, to uh, benefit us to understand a little bit about what the Bible teaches us concerning doubt, not because we're having to learn how to doubt, but um, doubt is to our faith what kryptonite is to Superman. And it's what the enemy uses to try to hinder our faith and prevent our faith from producing results in our lives. And um, the Bible has a lot to say about it. We need to understand it, not, not from a uh, practicing perspective, but we need to understand it so we can uh, prevent it. Um, that's one of the things that we've been learning is that doubt is preventable. Amen. It can be prevented. And, um, and it's not inevitable. You know, that's the other thing. I, I feel like the enemy has done a, uh, and I hate to give him credit, but he's, he's done a pretty good job at convincing a lot of people that, um, that doubting is, is inevitable, that, it's, that we can't prevent it, that we can't stop it. And, um, but we're believers, amen? And believing is, is, it comes naturally to us. And um, one of the points that we've made consistently throughout all of this is that um, and I believe it's true in my own life, uh, the believing is the easy part. It's the not doubting that's the challenge. Uh, believing comes natural to us. We've been given a measure of faith, the Bible says in Romans 12, and, and, um, and we, you know, we love to believe for good things and for better outcomes and for um, you know, our families to be blessed and protected and, 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 um, and, and these kinds of things. And so it's... It's not, again, that the believing is the hard part. It's the not doubting. And, um, and so learning about that, I think, is going gonna, is gonna to help us moving forward. Praise God. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 28, it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And so this story being, um, you know, a very high point in Jesus's earthly ministry, when he went walking on the water to the disciples who had already started to cross uh, in a boat, and the wind had kicked up and now they were beginning to fear for their lives, and even to the point that they thought Jesus was a ghost and some type of bad omen um, until he identified himself. And Peter, as he was so, uh, uh, you know, in, known for his, you know, impulsiveness, um, he impulsively said, uh, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus told him to come. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water towards Jesus. Now, if people tell you only one person ever walked on water, um, they're not telling you the truth. 
Um, we know from the Bible of at least two. Jesus walked on water and Peter walked on water. But we also see that when Peter became distracted and he began to be afraid and doubt entered into his heart, the Bible says that he began to sink. And as he began to sink, he cried out to Jesus, and Jesus grabbed hold of him. And I don't know if they, I imagine that they both walked on the water back to the boat. Um, Jesus could have obviously carried him, but um, I believe that they went back together, arm in arm, to the boat. Now, Jesus asked the question, and that's where the title of this sermon series comes from, in verse 31, Why Did You Doubt? But before he asked him, why did you doubt, he said, he made the statement, oh, you of little faith, oh, you of little faith. And as we have said before and will say again tonight, I don't feel like this is the best of translations. Um, this word little that uh, it was translated from the original language, which this was originally spoken, written in Greek, um, this word could have also been translated brief instead of little, and I think that would have been a more appropriate translation. Um, after all, Peter walked on water by faith, and to me that was no small feat of faith. Uh, of faith. It was um, a, a tremendous display, uh, a demonstration of faith, uh, a demonstration of great faith, but it didn't last very long. So instead of Jesus asking him uh, or saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I believe what Jesus actually said in the conversation was, Oh, you of brief faith, why did you doubt? Now, <clears throat> we know that what we have contained in the Gospels is only a small sampling of everything that Jesus did, of all the miracles that Jesus performed. Um, the Bible says that if it were all written down and recorded, there would not be room enough to contain the volumes. Now, I point that out to you tonight because what we have recorded for us in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, was done so strategically. In other words, there was a reason why the Holy Spirit orchestrated um, every miracle that was recorded, every healing that was recorded, every um, situation where Jesus intervened in, in, in someone's life, um, those were recorded. Uh, in other words, for every one of those that we have record of, there could have very well been a hundred more that we never had written down for us. And so because we know that the scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit, then what we do have recorded was inspired by the Holy Spirit and not just to impress us, okay? Jesus wasn't just showing off here. Um, he, he was doing this to demonstrate something for us. He was, he was using this as an opportunity to teach and to demonstrate. He was the, the master. He's a, he was a master faith mathematician, and, and he's teaching his disciples faith. He's teaching his disciples what can be accomplished by faith. Um, what we see in this particular miracle uh, we see elements of in, in other miracles. Um, remember when Jesus fed the multitudes with the little boy's lunch? He didn't tell the disciples to go stand in a corner and watch, but he invited them to come and be a part of it. 
Um, we see where Jesus sent the 12 out to cast out demons and heal the sick, and they came back reporting uh, that they had done that. He sent out 70 other uh, people, 35 pairs of two, um, that also went and cast out devils and healed the sick. And, and so we see that, that Jesus is constantly inviting the disciples, his followers, into uh, his works, into the things that he was doing. And so this is no different. Um, and I think Peter knew that about Jesus, um, that you know, everything Jesus did, he was trying to reproduce uh, within his disciples the ability to, to do that same work. And so when Peter saw him walking on the water, just like when Peter participated in feeding the multitude or Peter participated in casting out demons, Peter believed that it was possible for him to participate in that. He was the only one courageous enough to ask, and Jesus told him to come. Now, what we have in this miracle is, I think, and I believe it's the reason why, among others, that it was um, recorded and preserved for us. Um, we have something in, in this particular miracle that we only have a glimpse of in one other miracle. And the one other miracle that I'm talking about is, is if you remember when Jesus uh, prayed for a blind man. Now, there are no telling how many thousands of blind people that Jesus healed, we have certain cases, though, that were recorded for us in the Gospels. And in this particular case, Jesus prayed for this man, and he could see, but not clearly. He, matter of fact, he said, I can see men as trees walking. So, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know what that meant. Either they were blurry or they were distorted or, or what, but of course, you know, we know that Jesus prayed for him again, and, and now all of a sudden he realized, oh, those aren't trees walking, those really are, in other words, he could, he could see clearly after Jesus prayed the second time, and, and so what we're seeing, of course, is uh, in, this, in that particular miracle where Jesus, you know, released faith, and whatever was going on with that man, um, he received, but he didn't receive uh, fully, um, and, and yet Jesus prayed for him again, and, and then he did. Um, it's not an exact comparison um, to what we see with Peter walking on the water in the sense that Peter walking on the water is a practical, real-time demonstration of faith producing and sustaining a result. Okay? Again, a practical, real-time demonstration of faith producing and sustaining a result. What do I mean by that? Well, we see that um, Peter was walking on the water by faith. Faith was what was supporting him. Faith was what was sustaining him. Faith was what was enabling him to walk on the water. And by the way, this is another sermon that's coming in, you know, soon, but that was Peter's faith, okay? And that ought to tell you something about your faith, because the Bible says in Romans 12 and 3 that God has given to every person the measure of faith. So the measure of faith that Peter had that enabled him to walk on the water is the same measure of faith that you have that would produce the same result in your life, Okay? Amen. So, we, you know, that again, that's giving us a glimpse into a demonstration of 
you know, you say, you know, obviously we see Jesus' faith, Jesus walking on the water, but it was Peter's faith that enabled Peter to walk on the water, and that was the measure of faith that God has given to every person. So it's not like Peter was given uh, some special gift or special water-walking anointing, right, that somehow his situation is unique. Any of those men in that boat could have gotten out. They could have all abandoned that boat and walked on a cross with Jesus. They could have, all of them could have done it, right? And, and, and yet only Peter got out, and Peter, again, we see a real-time demonstration of faith producing and sustaining a result. But this particular account, again, preserved, recorded for us, is also a real-time practical demonstration of what happens to faith when doubt enters the heart. Okay, so we see both. We see that Peter believed, and as he believed and was fully persuaded, he was able to walk on water. But when doubt entered in and fear entered in, we see how that contaminated his faith and literally began to cause the very thing that was sustaining him and keeping him afloat, right? It began to crumble, disintegrate under his feet as, as he began to sink. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. It's a real-time practical demonstration of faith producing and sustaining a result. It's also a practical real-time demonstration of what happens to faith when doubt enters the heart. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us how far he walked on water. I don't know if he walked four steps. I don't know if he walked 40 feet. I don't know how long it was in between the time he got out of the boat and walked on the water and then began to doubt and began to sink, okay? Um, But we do know that there was a period of time when he was fully persuaded, another definition for, for what it means to be in faith, that he walked on the water and then as the doubt enter in, we see it demonstrated for us what happened to his faith and what happened to the result that his faith was producing. Are you, this is so important. I, 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 don't, I hope I'm saying this um, clearly uh, I- enough tonight because this is one of the things that, that um, <clears throat> I'm convinced of, okay? And I'll just speak for myself. I think I said this last time we were together. It's, it's, it's uh, much more enjoyable to talk about Peter's doubt than my own. Amen. I mean, I'd, I'd rather talk about where he got in doubt instead of where I have gotten in doubt before. But um, I am convinced that what we see, a real-time demonstration uh, in, in Peter's situation, that, that it's, we've all experienced this in one form or another in our own lives where we've believed God and, you know, we're, we're operating in faith and, and we're receiving what it is that Father God has for us to receive. And then we allow doubt uh, to come in and begin to undermine our faith and begin to uh, evaporate uh, from, from beneath our feet uh, the results that our faith was producing. Now, what makes Peter's situation unique is that I mean, you're either walking on water or you're not. You know what I'm saying? There's no, um, you know, that whole deal. I don't know if you was ever as a kid, um, you know, well, we all walked on water for a split second, you know. Uh, no, no, it, you either are or you're not, right? And, and, and when I say a real-time demonstration, it was something that we could all see what his faith did, and then we could also see what happened to his faith when he began uh, to doubt. Um, <clears throat> and so what was very you know, visible and, and uh, obvious in Peter's situation, 
I feel like has happened many, many times uh, in, in our own individual lives, but sometimes it's not as clear, or sometimes it's not as obvious. You know, uh, Brother Copeland says something that I just uh, believe and, and agree with. He says that, that healing always comes. Amen. When we pray for healing, healing always comes. You know, but, but how many times, like Peter on the water, has, has the healing come, but then the, the symptom or, you know, some thought in our mind or doubt entered in that caused us to, um, to sink. Amen. That caused us, you know, uh, to miss out on, on what it is that, um, I, I almost, how do I say this? And I'm, I'm asking the Lord to help me in my own life. And by the way, let me just, um, <clears throat> amen. I am, uh, obviously fighting, you know, lingering COVID symptoms. I, I, I'm well out of quarantine. Um, we went to our, uh, our favorite Mexican restaurant, uh, the other day and, and, um, um, hadn't been there in two or three weeks, and um, um, you know, I, to- I told the guy, and I didn't realize I didn't put my mask on after um, uh, after we ate, and we always talk, you know, and and, uh, um, and so I told him, I said, you know, I said, you know, Lord's been good to me. I said I-, I had COVID. I said, but I'm feeling better, you know. Well, the kids said that I didn't say it clearly enough that I didn't say it in the past tense that I told him that I have COVID and then I coughed with no mask on, you know. And he's like backing up, you know, like, what in the world, you know. And um, so uh, don't think the devil hadn't, you know, asked me more than once, are you really going to stand up in front of them people and preach faith tonight? And it's like, yes, I am. That's when it counts, amen. Yes, I am. And if I cough (coughs) through it, I'm going to cough, amen. Praise God. And uh, what... You know, one of the things that Brother Keith Moore said is he's like, you know, he had people that were saying, you know, you're, y'all are faith people. What are you doing getting coronavirus? He's like, well, have you ever had a cold? You know, it's, it's a cold. It's just a severe form of a cold. You know what I'm saying? So we've dealt with cold symptoms before, and, and, uh, and we're over them, and we're over this now. Praise God. So, um, but, you know, that I think if, if, if the curtain was pulled back, so to speak, and we could see how many times, you know, we've held our answer in our hand for 10 seconds. How many times we've, you know, the breakthrough's been right there, only for us to turn around and, and walk away from it, you know. How many times we've, you know, we've walked on the water and didn't even realize we were, you know, because we're so used to sinking, sinking felt normal. Amen. You, you understand what I'm saying here? Praise God. And again, there's, this isn't about condemnation. This is about our eyes being open to these things so that we can, you know, better position ourselves uh, to, uh, to rise above and to, uh, and to overcome them. And so, again, a real-time practical demonstration. You know, we, there it is right there for all of us to see how the faith produced the result and sustained the result and then how quickly that result um, was eliminated and, and, and its ability to sustain Peter uh, literally you know disintegrated under his feet um, because the doubt uh, because of the doubt that entered in um, to uh, his heart so let's go back to this question that Jesus asked him why did you doubt and and the very idea that Jesus asked the question tells us that he didn't have to 
that he could have done uh, something else. And so, as we said earlier, doubt is preventable and does not have to be inevitable. Doubt is preventable and does not have to be inevitable. Now, let's do this. Praise God. I got so much here and I know I'm about out of time. Let's... um, Let's get to uh, let's get to the, these questions. Um, so, why did you doubt? That's ultimately, I think, the one that that we want to work our way up to. Um, but when uh, I was in uh, journalism school at UAB, you know, they taught us the who, what, why, when, and where. You know, and then when I went to work, uh, I mentioned this on Sunday. <laughs> Funny that I mentioned it two services in a row. When I went to work as a nine one operator, that those were other. You know, when they started saying, you got to ask these who, what, when, why, when, I'm like, hey, man, I've, I've, I got a degree in that. You know what I'm saying? I know how to do that. You know, it's obviously wasn't doing it for an, uh, any kind of uh, news article. But, um, and so we're going to kind of do that with this, this subject of doubt. Um, and so the first question, this is where we were two weeks ago. You know, what is doubt? What is doubt? And doubt means to waver or to go back and forth between two positions. It means to be in strife with oneself, to be uncertain or to hesitate to believe, to be uncertain or to hesitate to believe. Now, the simplest and my, perhaps my most favorite definition of faith is fully persuaded. A simple definition of faith is fully persuaded. And if fully persuaded is 100% persuaded, then anything less than fully persuaded equals doubt. And I think we use this idea of, you know, like a sliding scale. And um, so, you know, 89% persuaded leaves room for 11% of doubt. And I think where a lot of people are is we, we think that it should be a passing grade. In other words, that 89% should be enough to get the job done. But, you see, it's not. Jesus said with no doubting, with zero doubting. And, and Abraham is such an example for us in this because the Bible says he was fully persuaded. And he didn't start out fully persuaded, but he worked his way uh, through giving glory to God and focusing on the promises and learning how... To, to deal with the doubts that kept contaminating his faith. He reached that point of um, fully persuaded. And so I'm offering to you tonight that as long as Peter was fully persuaded, he walked on the water. But the second Peter began to doubt, the second he began to question, the second he began to waver, the second he, listen to this very carefully, the second he began to consider other outcomes, the second he began to hesitate or to be uncertain, that was when he began to sink. Peter doubting means Peter allowed contradicting thoughts to enter his heart through the doorway of his mind. So that leads us then to this next question. Where did Peter doubt? Where did he doubt? And obviously we could say, well, he doubted while he was walking on the water. He doubted on the water. That's not what I mean, though. The Bible says again in Romans 10.10 that with the heart man believes... And we know then that faith is a function of the heart, something inward, inside of us. Remember, Jesus said, if you believe and do not doubt in your 
heart. Okay, so when we talk about where did Peter doubt, ultimately the doubt took place in his heart. The doubt took place in his heart. Okay, and so remember, I'm not trying to be cute here, um, but Jesus didn't say, if you only doubt a little, you'll be fine. And, and I think, again, that's, I'll just, again, I'll speak for myself, you know. Um, like King Agrippa, some, sometimes we're almost persuaded, but almost still um, is, is not enough, all right? So, Proverbs 4 and 23, the Bible says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. Now, this, to me, is one of the most important verses we could ever look at when it comes to uh, defending ourselves against doubt um, because doubt enters in to um, the heart. So that leads us then to one more question, all right? All right, we got lots more, but I think maybe the only one we'll have time for tonight. How did the doubt get into Peter's heart? So we've talked about what is doubt. We've talked about where Peter doubted. He doubted in his heart. So if, if there was a period of time, think with me now, if there was a period of time that Peter walked on the water, then that means there was a period of time there was no doubt in his heart. Are you seeing this? Maybe I'm making this way too simple, but I'm, just, I'm trying to make it plain tonight. Okay. In other words, for however long of a, of a distance and time span that it was, the, the real-time demonstration of Peter's faith, we know that it wasn't until doubt entered in that he began to sink. So that means there was a period of time when there was no doubt. Okay. So how then did the doubt get into Peter's heart? Because it wasn't there when he got out of the boat wasn't there when he was walking on the water, okay? Now, we've made this statement over and over again, and we're going to make it again tonight. Doubt in the heart always enters through the mind. If you never learn to manage your thoughts, you'll never keep doubt out of your heart. Doubt in the heart always enters through the mind. If you never learn to manage your thoughts, you'll never keep doubt out of your heart. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. Amen. This will be our last verse we'll look at tonight. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 4. Amen. <clears throat> All right, it says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, this is the New King James Version of this passage. <clears throat> the King James Version translates the words argument, translates the word arguments as imagination. So verse 5, if we were reading it in the King James tonight, it would say casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations. Right? Now, I actually like both definitions. Um, but you say, which one are they? It's, it's not either or, it's both and. 
um, these arguments. Remember one of our definitions for uh, doubt was to be in strife with oneself. Okay, it's, it, it's one thing for you to be in an argument with another person, um, but it's something entirely different for you to be in, a, in an argument with yourself, okay, to be in strife with oneself. And so these arguments, were, it, it's talking about this, this in, internal uh, disagreement where part of you is saying yes, part of you saying no, part of you saying write the tithe check, part of you saying we better wait, part of you is saying make that phone call, part of you is saying, you know, uh, no, no, we don't need to make that phone call, right? And so it's, it's this strife with, with, within oneself and these, these internal um, arguments. But when the King James Version uh, translates it as imaginations, he's talking about these arguments as, as these inner pictures, you know, where we, um, you know, imagine uh, some negative outcome. We imagine ourselves failing. We imagine ourselves um, uh, sinking, being separated from Jesus, being lost at sea, and ultimately drowning. You know, um, <clears throat> I don't know if Peter had that imagination or not, but the, the imagination is when the, the situation that we're in becomes an inward picture where, where we begin to see ourselves um, as, as failing. We begin to see ourselves as relapsing. We begin to see ourselves um, as, um, as, as not only being sick with COVID, but dying with COVID, right? These, these things that, that we um, imagine um, <clears throat> and have to notice, uh, we have to take control of those thoughts. We have to take those thoughts captive, um, these imaginations, right? So we could say it this way, that their arguments against the Word of God in the form of imaginations, okay? So the argument, um, what do they say? A picture's worth a thousand words, right? Um, so this is when the enemy wants to take the argument that he's trying to plant in your mind and make it more than just words on a page, but, but, but make it this internal image, um, of, of you being broke, of you being homeless, of you being sick, of you, in other words, he, he's wanting you to, 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 to take uh, the argument and, and it become um, this, this, this inward image or this inward imagination. I know I'm out of time, but let me, just give me a couple more minutes here. If you remember, um, because this can work for you or against you, you see, I believe... Um, I don't, right now, I don't even recall the, um, somebody had sent me a, a praise and worship video, I think it was Brian Reynolds had sent me a, 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 a something he wanted me to look at on YouTube, and um, it was either um, Bethel or, or, you know, something like that, and I wish I had saved it, but um, it was the most realistic Obviously, it was somebody's special effects, but it was, it was, um, it had a video of Jesus walking on the water. And I, and, and, and so, I, I guess it's the first time I've ever seen, I mean, you know, look, I know mom and dad are watching tonight. By the way, dad's much better. Thank you for, for praying for him. Mom's much better. Amen. 
And, um, but, you know, my mom in the living room where we grew up as kids, you know, I love you, mom, but it's this real cheesy picture of Jesus standing on the water, you know, and, and that didn't do it for me. But, man, this, this Hollywood, you know, deal, Jesus walking on the water, something on the inside of me, for the first time in my life, I had an inward image of somebody doing it, Right? Now that I'm seeing somebody else doing it, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm this much closer to it can be done. Are you, are you, you know what I'm saying, right? See, Satan is wanting you to have an inward image of failure. He's wanting you to have an inward image of, of dying young and dying broke and this and that and all these other things. See, he's tried your whole life to, 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 to get that kind of a view of yourself inside of you, okay, in living color, right? This, this, but remember, the Bible says when Abraham believed God to the point that he was going to sacrifice Isaac on the altar, the Bible says that he had already received Isaac raised from the dead in a figure. In other words, he had already had this inward image inside of his heart of faith that God would raise Isaac from the dead. He, he already saw it play out in his mind. See, this is, when Jesus tells us not to worry, do not worry, do you realize what worrying is? Worrying is you using your imagination to picture negative outcomes. Are you seeing this? And, and, and this is how doubt gets into the heart. This, this, is, this is how uh, the enemy, um, you know, through arguments, an argument is like God says it's this way and something or somebody or some symptom or some situation says no, it's not. And you've got two things that are in competition with one another. And, and so, you know, again, let's stand with me. I'll finish right here, I promise. So in, in Peter's situation, I know, I wish, I need to try to find that video so you can put it up on the screen. But the idea is, you know, you think, well, man, Pastor Mark, you're telling me that the same measure of faith Peter had that walked on water I have. Yeah, but what's the difference? Peter actually saw Jesus doing it. And in that moment, he's like, man, if Jesus can do it, I can do it. Because Jesus multiplied the food, and I multiplied the food. <laughs> Jesus cast out demons. I cast out demons. Jesus walking on water. And that is the coolest thing I have ever seen. And I'm, I'm Jesus, can I come do that? Come on, right? And, and I'm not trying to trivialize faith. Forgive me if I'm wrong, Lord, but this is my opinion. If I'm ever giving you my opinion, I wave a red flag. This is my opinion. Before he ever thought he couldn't do it, he kept that image in his mind that he could. And it was almost like he was 12 steps away from the boat before he realized, what in the world am I doing? Right? That was, because then, that was when he began to think. That was when he began to look around himself. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he saw the wind and the waves and everything going on around him, and now all of a sudden he's like, what are you doing? And, and I know that I'll develop this point next week, but the devil will convince you that you can't do something in the middle of you doing it. Right? I mean, you're doing it, and he's telling you it can't be done. How many times have we believed it can't be done 
while we're doing what he's telling us we can't, can't be done. And we start to doubt it can be done when we're doing it. Amen. Father, you're good to us and we love you. Thank you for helping us tonight, Lord. Thank you for showing us and teaching us and revealing yourself and your truth to us, Lord. Father, I thank you that you're making us aware of the, of the thoughts, of the imaginations, of the arguments, of the, of the information that comes to contradict and try to override what your word says is to be true about us and what belongs to us and, and, and who we are and, and, and what has been given to us. And Lord, I thank you tonight that you're teaching us how to believe, only believe, doubting nothing. Only believe, Father, without hesitation, without questioning. Father, without um, allowing the enemy to deceive us into considering and imagining a failure and negative outcomes and, and picturing bad things happening to our families and to our loved ones. But Father, we, we believe you. We believe your word. We believe, Father, what you say about us. And we believe, Father, that that's what's being produced in our lives. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you again. Lord, as we stand about to say goodbye to 2020 and and hello to a new year, we thank you, Father, for a fabulous year ahead of us and just for your goodness, Lord, and, and our being able to experience it in the land of the living. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tell somebody around you good things coming. Thank you so much for being here Tonight, we look forward to seeing you on Sunday, if not before. Hey, Happy New Year. Amen. You be blessed.